All right. I hit play. Are you ready to hit play? Or you already hit play? No, I just hit it. Should we clap? Okay. I'm... Yep. One, two, two three. three. Professional level. Quality. I'm listening to your neighborhood. You are listening. You're listening to Your Neighborhood, a podcast for uncomfortable culture conversation, specifically about race. With Hannah and Jackie. Hey, Jackie. Hey, Hannah. <laughs> We're coming at you live from our closet, our separate yes. closet. Yes. And what are we talking about today? Um, we're not talking about all the junk on my floor in my closet, but we are talking about. <laughs> I cleaned mine out COVID. after. I cleaned mine out after last week. <laughs> I can't say I've done the same. Um, it's probably better for sound quality that way, though. There you go. I was just preparing for this, and mm-hmm. I decided, hey, why not keep the junk on the floor? Mm-hmm. A nice It'll dusting sure. of fabric. Yeah. <laughs> so we're talking about covid but, yeah yeah so last week right hmm. we had a pretty good a conversation we were all over like I, I felt like it was i was purging thoughts me too <sighs> trying to release i was very we were very stuck and in listening back to that conversation there's a lot of me being like a ba da ba da ba da I think it was just sitting with a lot of feelings, as many of us are right now, of dealing with shame and blame. And for me, it's like, am I doing enough? Am I contributing enough when I know things are are bad outside the walls of my house? And there's only so much that I can do. And staying home doesn't feel noble. <laughs> it feels very privileged. Yeah, definitely. I just... I was, it, it is, it has been just a, a reckoning with the things you have, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not wanting for anything right now. And I'm very grateful to be in a position to not want or need for anything at this point. And as a, as a doer, it is difficult to not be able to do in a way where you're touching or interacting or, you know, it's just... It's been a, a challenge, but not really, I guess, in a way, because kind of a millennial here, an elder millennial in that in that case. <laughs> so I kind of get having the virtual world and understand, you know, I've teleworked for five, for five years. So, like, I get the, the, the idea of being productive uh, without being in a place of business. But uh, when you talk about community work and community activism, it's it's it's. Where it's not new territory, but it's definitely honing in on the other side of not being in people's faces. Yeah. 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 And and I'll say I've been anxious. um, So I'm grateful for the conversation that, that, you know, uh, for having you and being able to have the space to have a whole conversation about thoughts and news and great news and not so good news just to kind of release. What did you call it? You said it's hitting the, I don't know what button you said. It's like hitting, I don't know, hitting the pressure release button so that we can have a productive conversation. Yeah. 
Yeah, we kind of so we so what we're referring to is last week we got together, we had a conversation, we recorded it, and then in the end of it, we felt like <laughs> we didn't say anything that was really contributing. And um, part of that, I think you said last week was like that's kind of okay, that's how it is. You said what did you say last week? You said. Um, that our job isn't to solve every, I mean, the job, we don't purport, you're not going to listen to this podcast and we're going to say, here are the solutions to every problem. Yeah. Yes. We're not here to solve all the problems. I don't think, at least that's, that's not the goal here. The, the goal has always been to model behaviors of having these sorts of conversation and then turning that into a reasonable action item that, fits your life, your world, because we realize, I, I don't know how this works in N- Hastings, Nebraska, or Redding, California, or Jackson, Mississippi. Like, we know that we have similar experiences, but how we go out and execute change or um, whatever that is we're trying to do is going to be different. So we just here to bring to the table and kind of share what we're doing and model uh, the start of sort of the sort of social change you want to see and um, and invite the listeners to do the same thing. <laughs> yeah. And it is not always comfortable, especially um, because of this podcast and because of our relationship. I saw um, I've started following a lot of different activists and um, one particular one had the numbers um, by city broken down in percent of the population that was of color um, and then percent of the population who had died from um, COVID. And the numbers don't match up. It is disproportionately people of color, especially black people who are dying from corona. And you cannot look away from those numbers. Yeah. The the crazy part, though, Hannah, is that it, that it is not just in one space or place. It's all across the country. I think the one that I take most interest in are the numbers in the Chicagoland area where, you know, 72% of the people dying are black related to, you know, dying related to the coronavirus are black. And it's like, wow, you know, it it it, it should not be shocking um, because of historical things and because of what we know. But I think... I don't know that we've been in a place where we've had um, federal level people saying, so what's his name? The doctor, Fauci, Fauci, Anthony Fauci. So his acknowledgement that 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 black Americans are suffering from the the this crisis, this pandemic, because of all the health disparities and, and the higher cases of COVID because of what, like diabetes and asthma um, is what's making this unfortunate in those communities. And um, it's unfortunate that it's expected. Yeah. And even if you expect it, it still doesn't diminish the shock um, that comes from seeing those numbers. And and I think it's like um, softer to see numbers about diabetes because it's not like the pandemic where people are catching it and dying quickly. Um, You see Mm -hmm. numbers about heart disease and diabetes and these other things. And then it sends you, sends me into a thinking cycle about food and um, quality of life and access. Um, 
it's just a little broader and not as direct. So this event is highlighting things that were already in existence, but just making them very, very stark. Mm-hmm. And yeah. dark. <laughs> yeah, because you, you see it. And unfortunately, the the second, the layered conversation to this is, is, you know, Black American people don't have these diseases because they don't know how to eat right, because they're just lazy. Like the, the issues that exacerbated these sorts of things in communities of color, particularly Black communities, are structural issues. They are... <laughs> a history of systemic oppression that was brought to communities where resources were limited, where, I mean, we still see it now where there are communities that do not have access to fresh fruits and vegetables or even a grocery store that is can, can't be, get, can't, you know, can't get to it within walking distance or anything like that. It's just, um, if we don't layer this with the why, it is easier to point at who yeah. at the who, right? So, I mean, I feel like you can have the who, but you can't have the who without the why. And that is, I think, a part of the conversation that is missing on a on a national level with something like this. It's also such an opportunity for understanding and compassion because yeah. I can't think of, I mean, I've never seen the grocery store the way that the grocery store looks right now. Like, even if you want bread, you may not be able to get bread. Um, so for people who are privileged enough to not be in food deserts or to have enough money for the food that they need, this experience for me is just making me really aware of what it is to eat eat your cabinets all the way until you can see the back of them. You know, to, to be thinking of what food you're going to get next isn't a thought because of my privilege isn't a thought I have all the time, but now I'm having and makes me um, really consider communities who are less privileged more frequently. And for me, I think that's an underlying cause of some of my anxiety is it's just to me, the, the moment in time is making, making me feel more compassionate, but less able to have direct action. Yeah. Yep. So it'll be interesting to see what comes on the other side of this. That's what it is. It's like once once the the fog clears, in a sense, whatever that'll look like, yeah. um, will that compassion dissipate and to and clear with the fog? Or will it be there in a in a in a meaningful way? And I I'd like to hope that whether it's we're talking about this uh disproportionate inequities or we're talking about um fair wages or we're talking about um, child care that we don't lose sight that these are still going to be real issues when the fall clears. And and you mentioned something too, like you're absolutely right. I have not, um, as a, as a mature adult, because I will say the first couple of years of my life as an adult were very, I, let's just say the Navy <laughs> did me a service. <laughs> By feeding me and clothing me and giving me a place to stay. And even then I poorly managed at times, but just to be in a place where I am, I'm, I'm good and to use to, to empty out cabinets. It's like, oh God, my old God comes from, I have to brave the store. <laughs> Not, I don't know 
how I'm going to be able to get this next meal or I don't know if I'll be able to make it there if the bus is running the way it needs to be running or, you know, when I get there, if there's going to be if the shelf's empty, I don't have the luxury of going to another place because that's a thing, mm-hmm. too. <laughs> so I, I, I'm hoping that there's something great that comes on the outside. For me personally, I know that there will be. Um, and I'm going to hold myself accountable to that. But on a larger communal scale, I hope so. Yeah. yeah. So um, can you unpack a little bit about there are certain cities that are collecting this data really well and when I say this data I mean the data broken down deaths by race Milwaukee is one of them they have a commissioner for health who has named racism as a public health issue so they have a racial equity alliance organization there that is working on these things and they already had that in place before corona so they've got great reporting on these numbers and that's one of the things that can wake people up people who might be in denial or not understand the full impact. Can can you tell me a little bit more about um, why data is so important? Yeah, well, I think that's kind of, yeah, what we kind of talked about a bit is that I, I, as a, I, I, as a person who believes in sound policy, like I, whether it is what works in my house or what works in the city I live in or the state I live in, Many of the decisions that are made for policy, both good or bad, are based on data. And here's a deal. Fun fact is you can find Mm -hmm. you can Mm -hmm. find statistics to support whatever viewpoint you want. (laughs) You can't. You really can't. Genuinely, if I wanted to say that beer was a good, healthy diet, I could go find statistics that support that. Um, But in instances like these, like you you can't fake the funk unless you know you're faking the funk in a sense right keeping toll of deaths keeping toll of uh racial um the racial that's why we're even having this conversation about the racial disproportion um with these deaths is that if we're really going to get to a place where we're able to confront the why with the solution we need data like we need data and we need to couple that with history so so one of the things that i that I say on the podcast is closer to history, right? Because it'll tell us things, right? So if we use that historical analysis plus data, I think we get ourselves in a better position to create better policy, period. Like you mm-hmm. can't have one mm-hmm. without the other. You need the data to support where you are, the knowledge of where you've been, so you can get a good grasp of where you're going. And mm-hmm. I don't know how to put that any other way, but like, do your damn senses. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Do your, Do damn, your damn senses. senses. I mean, that's a whole nother conversation, but that's, uh, as we think about our fruitful conversations, Hannah, that's probably the first thing that comes to mind data-wise or, you know, so I'm really grateful that there are organizations like Data for Black Lives that are um, really committed to getting this data in specific communities that aren't ordinarily collected on unless it's for a for something negative or mm-hmm. for something to you know to support bias right yeah yeah so last week we checked and virginia is reporting instances of positive um cases but not death toll i think yes and i don't race. know if they changed that because they that- the governor came on the uh 
the came on air yesterday and kind of talked about his health uh, department leader talked about the fact that they are one of 12 states that are collecting that information and they're being honest about how many folks they just don't know. They just we we these are the we've got over 2000 cases and we have no idea who they are, what they were when they came in. But it's a start. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the thing is, um, I have people in my family and in my circle who are in healthcare, and this is like unprecedented times, new territory, lots of people scrambling to try and do the best that they can in this moment, which I think points even more to why we need to get ahead of these kind of things so that you're not scrambling in the moment, so that these numbers are just numbers that we're collecting anyway. Um, and then hopefully the numbers change as a result of that. Yeah, and, and as people in this work, as we're just, uh, I'm just a little old Midwestern girl that <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, that has had the great fortune of um, getting a leg up in life uh, and I'll just, the, but by the military, but the deal is it doesn't matter whether it's COVID or it's uh, voter suppression or I keep saying childcare because that's like at the front of my mind, the childcare crisis, but injustices are always seemingly something that is truly important for people to acknowledge, but it's not really often celebrated or uh, you're not necessarily the most popular person when you decide to <laughs> have these conversations. And so I appreciate you, Hannah, and, you know, the folks out there listening who who make that choice every day or every opportunity they get or every opportunity they feel comfortable with, because that's a thing, too. Right. Let's not shame ourselves for seeing something and not immediately. I should have. I've had those moments, too. I don't know about you, Hannah. Have you? Yeah. I have been in a spiral basically since this thing started of um, educating myself, feeling shame and terrible, just like balling up and and then coming out of that and stepping back up to the plate. And I don't think that that's a healthy spiral that I've found myself in, but I'm saying I'm acknowledging that that is part of it because I, I thought I was already coming into this conversation just a little... Um, more prepared, more, more like, uh, less fragile, I guess. Um, and I just, this, it's just daunting, um, how much stuff there is. Yes. And you're, you're feeling like, and that's the thing about whatever you're feeling, your feelings are never really wrong. At least that's what my, uh, brave spouse who has weathered the storm with me for, 15 years said, you know, if someone tells you that your feelings are just wrong, they probably don't give a damn about you because your feelings are the one thing that you own completely. Now, what you do with those feelings has consequence, <laughs> has consequence, yeah. but yeah. you can have your, you should be allowed to have your feelings, but how, what you do with them is what, what makes all the difference. So, yeah. So that has been the thing that's helped me out is anytime I have felt like intense shame or felt, uh, I don't know, felt low looking at these numbers. If I've been then been able to take an action, it always makes me feel better. So in terms of Corona and race, um, what, 
maybe you guys could tell us what actions you're taking that are helping you to feel better. And as a community, we could kind of generate a list or create a group brainstorm around um, things that you have done to do your part, no matter how big or small. And even if that's um, self-care, I hold that up as caring for all because you can't 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 be good for others if you're not good to yourself first. So what's been an action that you've taken that you've felt better after? Um, I have been working with uh, parents in my village to help their little citizens with homework, which has been a big deal. I had a little neighbor girl come knock on the door and step away real fast. (laughs) It was the cutest thing. And she says, um... Miss Jackie, I've done all my homework packet except for English because my daddy's not good at English. Can you can you help me? So like, you know, that's a fun way and not fun, but it is nice to be able to be a part of uh, the little citizens education practices and not practices. They're learning experiences like uh, that feels really good. Like I taught my daughter area and I was like, wow, I taught her area and perimeter. Ooh. Look at me <laughs> teaching stuff. Um, I've uh, galvanized parents so that, you know, galvanized parents in the school system to really deal with the anxiety and frustrations with the response, which is nice. And to be quite honest, I'm I'm kind of I have all these ideas and I've been sharing them and kind of giving them to other people to go run with. And that's been exciting. I'm excited to see what projects come out of this stint because I definitely am not capable of seeing all these things come to light. So I I feel like the best thing or the biggest thing that I've done is just I've been a sounding board and a part-time teacher. (laughs) (laughs) How about you, Hannah? What you been up to? So I have been able to donate to the some food banks and um, specifically for our area um, and the United Way of Southampton Roads and uh, I've just um, sometimes when I get overwhelmed with the scale of a problem it's really good for me to zoom way in so I zoomed into my community and I reached out to the people I'm in contact with who I think might be struggling now in some way and um have tried to offer some support to those people tailored to what makes sense mm-hmm. in that relationship. So I've tried to do the same thing, reach out to my village and see what I can do. I've also tried to make sure that I'm aware of the news, but not inundated by it. So I'm trying to find some balance <laughs> with that. Um, so I just do a little like 10 minute thing a day and then I'm done. And I try not to do it around the little, little ones. Um, because their anxiety is a real thing too, yeah. like you were saying. Aware but not consumed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel you on that. Yeah. It's because this is really a time for it's accountability, personal accountability, whatever that looks like. It's time to kind of come together, and it's it it's time to you know uh, we don't have to be the solution for everything, but you know find solutionary people in your network and. Be a small solution and allow somebody else to be a small solution for you. Yeah. Oh, I started sewing um, caps and masks. Um, And that's been also like a really fun. I feel a little bit creative, a little bit like you do step one, step two, step three. Um, I've mainly done it like with my one and a half year old (laughs) hanging off my shoulder. (laughs) Yeah, but 
those are small things. Those are some small things that we have. Now we want to hear what you guys are doing. Um, we'd love to be inspired by your ideas and um, so we can all kind of get through oh, this Oh, and thing. there's a, um, if you're looking for things, there's this website called uh, wildathome.org. So that if you want to mm-hmm. contribute to some of the hardest hit communities, you can, you know, check them out while at home. I'm writing that down. While at home. While at home. We, we don't want to get consumed with what's going on in the TV. We don't want to get caught up in practices that are not best for us in our own spaces and not best for us in the communication and relationships that we have right in front of our face because that that's a thing, too. <laughs> Um, (laughs) but let's just try to come out of this as a better version of the self we walked into it with. I'd say that's my so what now what? How about you? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think my so what is that this I think my biggest realization over these now two conversations we've had around this is the importance of data, which I don't think I really understood the full like I think my understanding was that that data was important for people who didn't believe that this was a thing it kind of helped to prove the facts but thinking forward that it's also helpful for how we make plans moving forward to improve um, I think that's my biggest takeaway and then um, I guess the other thing is that we can also look to our local governments and um, write our representatives and we can say um, why don't we have a racial equity alliance here or look for ways that that can happen? I know there's a lot of organizations that have chapters in this area. Um, so look look at and find one that works for you, and I'll mm-hmm. be finding one that works for me. Um, and that's another way that we can um, not just sit in this moment and say, this sucks right now, and then move out of it, and then we're like celebrating that we can be together and we kind of forget the important things and we forget the vulnerable um, after Heck yeah, emerge. I'm pretty sure everybody in, and, and I'll add to my soul now what is that I'm sure everyone, not everyone, many people have found something that's important to them. Um, there are a lot of new advocates online. <laughs> I'm listening to looking at folks. I'm like, wow, I didn't know you had that opinion about that, whether it's positive or negative. As Hannah said, like, you know, we it's our own our own. We have our own sense of responsibility to see things better in our own corner of the world, whether that's an injustice or that's an inequity, whatever it is, like there's so many people and things and ways to get connected to do a tiny thing in that area. Like you got time, you got talent. Do the little, do the little stuff, (laughs) do the little stuff. Yeah. Even just a baby step, even just a one little thing, check on that neighbor, whatever that little tiny thing is. I think it's not only for the wave it creates coming out of you of goodness. It's also it'll help you to deal with some of the anxiety that you might be sitting on if you're feeling Ooh. anything like what I'm feeling. My chest gets <laughs> tight. I'm serious. Anxiousness yeah, is too. a mother lover. And I know I've had a lot of it and tried to breathe my way out of it because we've all walked into this probably with shit going on. We had stuff. You know what I mean? It's not like this happened and we were all in a great mm-hmm. place before. So it is okay to still to still t- try to deal with life before this that is probably continuing through this that, you know, sometimes even even as we talk about being privileged, I just I guess what I'm saying is, is that I know I'm personally still trying to process thoughts about 
life and things that are happening while this is happening and that it's okay to yeah. to to take a break from what I've all to, from this stuff to deal with the other things that are, have nothing to do with coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, I feel like um when when I check in with people they say how are you doing and I always feel like I have to say well zoomed out I'm great. I have shelter, <laughs> I have food, you know, blah blah blah. Everyone I know, knock wood, knock wood, pray, is healthy. But, like, zoomed in, I'm doing potty training. <laughs> like, you know, just some real-world things that I'm yes. trying to just manage. <laughs> I have no childcare right now. Sorry if we're hitting that one hard, but that's how we feel right now. <laughs> yeah, so it's okay to have zoomed in and yes. zoomed out. I love that, Anna. So take time to zoom out and also take time to zoom in so that when 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 all the zooming out is done, that you don't fall to pieces. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Hannah, how I love thee. Let me count the ways. Same woman. Same. I was just going to say, I could talk to you forever. <laughs> but guess what? <laughs> and we'll also just keep talking. <laughs> so... We thank you guys for joining us and please, as Hannah said, let us know what what are you doing? Hey, what are you doing zoomed in? <laughs> what are you doing zoomed oh, in? Oh yeah. Are you potty training like Hannah? Are are you dealing with a pre pub <laughs> uh, not pre, a definitely pubescent teenager like me? Uh, <laughs> and another one with growing pains. Just let us know how's it going. Mm. Share with us. Um, as always, yeah, like, rate, and review. You can check us out on Patreon. Until next time, Hannah. As Christina says, stay open, and stay curious. And make it a great day. Closer to history.